You are listening to a sermon preached at the First Christian Church of St. Ignatius in St. Ignatius, Montana. For more information, you can visit us at www.firstchristiansti.org. Good morning. It's great to be with you guys. We've been, I've been up at the church camp. A number of us have been up at the church camp and... During that time, we have taught a lot of different classes. We've had a lot of different speaking times with devotions and chapel messages and campfires and all that. And this last week was junior week. We had fourth, fifth, and sixth graders up there. And one of the classes was Bible Heroes. And so I believe, uh, actually my wife was teaching that class, but I believe she taught on Joshua and Moses and David. There's a bunch of Bible Heroes that we could go through and pick from the scriptures, and so just to name a few, Joshua, Moses, David, Esther, Jonah, right? Would you guys consider Jonah a Bible hero? John Robine is back here laughing because I found out just how much John likes Jonah this last week. I don't know that Jonah gets to fit into the Bible hero category because Jonah just wasn't that guy. Kind of interesting, but he's... You know, they call it Jonah and the Big Fish or Jonah and the Whale, right? I think it ought to be Jonah and the Worm. That ought to be the, the title of his story. Maybe Jonah the Worm. I don't know. Okay, okay. But one of the nice things about the book of Jonah is it gives us all hope that God can use us. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but all down through Scripture, everybody, well, maybe, I still think there was problems with Joseph. Sorry, Rick, wherever you are. There you are. I still think there was problems with Joseph. But... Daniel? Maybe Daniel didn't have a vice. I don't know. But God uses imperfect people. And Jonah is just one more reminder of that. And I don't know about you guys, but I need that reminder um, as much as anybody. Jonah the worm. We're going to read the, in chapter, the entire chap, uh, book this morning. So get out your Bibles. Jonah, towards the end of the Old Testament. Obadiah's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapter 1 is all about Jonah running from God. And we'll find out a little bit more about why he did that later. In the first verse, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee tar to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, first mistake. Can you ever get away from the presence of the Lord? Nope. Verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid and every man cried to his God and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down, and had fallen fast asleep. We all know this guy, don't we? Can fall asleep in any crowd, and usually he's snoring. Yeah. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned with us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? 
what is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Self-preservation, right? It always interests me when you're reading about people who believe in other gods in the Old Testament, that when confronted with the one true God, how quickly they abandon all their gods. And I don't think that's just the bent of the person who is writing the scripture for us, but how quickly they say, okay, you know, let's go with this God. We're going to see that again. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. They didn't want to throw him into the sea. So evidently he wasn't too annoying, but anyways. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. One question that pops up in my mind as I read it just now, it's not in my notes, is why do we always wait to make our vows to the Lord until we're in that bad situation? Yeah, maybe we make our vows beforehand and we live by them, then we don't have to be in those situations. Jonah was running from God. You know, there's a, I've got a lot of t-shirt ideas. I've got a, a notepad thing on my phone where I keep t-shirt ideas and I've yet to find the means by which I can make my t-shirts. But one of them is you can't play hide and seek with God. And Jonah thought he was going to get away from God's presence and he was going to run, but you just can't do that. But a question I have for you this morning is how many of us in this room are running from God? Maybe not in all of our life, but in one area or another. How many of us are running from what we know is best, from what we know he wants from us, from what we know to be true? I should really be doing Jonah's like three or four sermons, not as one, but we're going to do the whole thing. So You can't run from God. You can't play hide and seek with him. He will always win no matter where you are. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out in my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol, and you heard me. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me, and so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompasses me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought me up, my life, from the pit, O Lord my God." 
While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those you regard, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And it says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Which has to be a fun feeling, if you can imagine. When we run from God, why is it that we only look back to him when we hit absolute rock bottom? I mean, it took Jonah, he says, the depths of Sheol. We've all been there in one area of our life or another, haven't we? Or if we haven't, we're about to be. And we need to remember, when you get to the absolute bottom, what's the only, where's the only place to look? You boys over here, where's the only place to look when you hit rock bottom? Up. Up. And Jonah did that, and the Lord heard him. And the Lord had him spit up onto dry land. One of the things that I tried to impress upon the junior campers last week is there's nothing we can do on this earth that God will not forgive us from. Now, if you reject the Holy Spirit, all bets are off. But everything you do on this earth, God can forgive you of. No matter how much of a dirty human being you feel like, God will take you back. Just as he did Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. And it cracks me up, by the way. It has to put in there, the second time. So we're reminded. This is the same request God had the first time. And it could have been a whole lot easier, but now God's having to ask him again. Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went out, of, out to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. And what that means is it was about 60 miles if you were to walk all the way around the city of Nineveh. 120 some thousand people lived there, which for back in that day was a pretty, pretty large city. And it says, then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk across it. And he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It shames me just a little bit that when I come to preach, I have all this to say to you, when all Jonah said to these people was, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Part of why I wanted to read all of this, rather than tell you a bunch of what I thought, was because it's better to stick with the scriptures, and I don't think we do enough of that. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and its nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered in sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. 
you know, usually kings have to be right, don't they? I'm the king, all homage is paid to me. But this king just turns it all the way around and says, and, and, and makes an example of himself. Guys, look, this is what we're going to do. And it says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. He had declared he would bring upon them. You know, God had already decided what was going to happen. And I know there's a lot of people that discuss free will in this, in this world and whether or not we truly have free will or, or whether we're elected to heaven or not. God changed his mind because of these people's actions. We see that again in Abraham before this. But when Abraham sat on the mountainside above Sodom and Gomorrah and he bartered with God for the fate of that city. If there's this many good men, will you not destroy it? And he continued to work that number down and God continued to change his mind. Here, God changed his mind. You know, sometimes we think that it's just going to happen anyway, so why bother, right? Why would I pray? Because it's just going to happen how it's going to... It's just not true. And I know sometimes it's hard to see that as a hard, tangible result. But God hears our prayers. God focuses on our actions and treats us accordingly. Let's read on. Chapter 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. What, is he a teenage girl? <laughs> drama, drama, drama. Oh, life's over. Uh, it's not. I, I probably wasn't supposed to say it. Sorry, teenage girls. But... Don't be dramatic about stuff, okay? It almost makes me think that Jonah was bipolar. I mean, he's, he's no, I'm going to run from God. And okay, I'm going to walk through the city. And, oh, you saved him. That's terrible, you know? People, be optimistic. What a pity party. But why was it that he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place? What's that? They were probably his enemy, and he didn't want them to be saved. He didn't want them to be okay. He, didn't, he wanted destruction upon them. And that's why he ran from God. And now, you know, if you, if you look at it as I just saved my enemies, who might now still hurt my people, you know, he's probably not going to want to go home either. But let's go ahead and read on. The Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Let me ask you this. Some people treat anger as if it is something that is always a sin. Is anger always a sin? It said, do you have a good reason? Maybe I should ask, do you have a God reason? Okay, that was a bad, bad play on words. But there are certain things that we should be angry about. 
And this wasn't one of them, and God's making that very clear. I don't even think Jonah answers him. It just says, Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it, and there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. Again, that's the bipolar part there, okay? But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. And then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? Here's that question again. Do you have a good reason to be angry? And he said, I have good reason and ain't to be angry and even to death. And the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 peoples who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand, as well as many animals. There's proof. God even cares for animals. 120,000 people. And he's concerned about a plant. We all have a plant somewhere in our lives. We all have something that we choose over people, over the ministry that God wants us to have, over the, the impact we could have on other people. And I don't need to put examples out there. You guys know what those things are. I was thinking earlier when Rick was, I actually planned on quoting you um, this morning when I, yeah, about, you know, we use things and we love people. We don't love things and use people. And that's kind of where Jonah was at here. You know, there's something like that in each of our lives that keeps us from doing what we need to do at certain times. What does the Bible say? If we know the good we should do and we don't do it, that is sin. And I am guilty of that. There are times I let things get in the way or people get in the way or what I think of people get in the way of reaching out to them. Those people needed to know the Lord. And the Lord used Jonah to bring about a repentance that man is impossible to bring about, no matter what we do. The evolution of getting along, Rick, and caring for humanity more than ourselves. I mean, everything we talked about kind of dovetails. Jonah wasn't there. But we're God's church. We have the Holy Spirit and we need to be there. Not bipolar, not dramatic about everything, but caring about what God cares about. And if we have a God reason to be angry, let's be angry. People are going to hell. That ought to make us angry. And if you're one of those people, Jesus Christ died for you. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus Christ died for each and every one of us. If you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ today, 
I would encourage you to come and do so. I'll stand up here for a bit if you need to. If you have the Holy Spirit already, let's go out and spread that around to as many as we can, no matter what we think of them. Let's pray. Father, you are our awesome God. We love you so much. Thank you for stories like Jonah, who even though he would not be somebody I would call a man of God, you chose to use him. And you brought about the repentance of over 120,000 people. Thank you that you use us despite our flaws. Help us to reach out with your love so people can see that and feel that and become part of your church to live forever in heaven. If anybody needs to make that decision today, Father, I pray that you would have them to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.